Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Alan Steinfeld, who for over 30 years hosted and produced the weekly TV series, New Realities. Additionally, he has one of the biggest consciousness and UFO YouTube channels with the same name. And lastly, he is the author of the book, Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence as you see there. Thank you. It is great to be here and to talk to someone who has a handle on the subject. I know you've interviewed lots of people, so it's not like you're starting out. Are there UFOs? Are they real? It's Mm -hmm. like we can go to the next level and say what's really going on here, which is really the, the meat of the book, of the conversation. It is an anthology, the book. It's not just my writing. I curated it and wrote a chapter in there, but I've looked at the best minds in this field. And I do think there's really uh, intelligent people looking into this because it takes intelligence to understand that there's something beyond the normal level of perception. So we're really talking about perceptions. And I've talked to people who were in the business for 40 years in the field, and everyone has a slightly different take on it. So I thought the only way to really make sense of this is to compile them all into anthology and let the reader decide, well, what's the truth for them? It's like a mosaic or pieces of the puzzle or or the blind man and the elephant. Put it all together. Will we really get the true understanding of what this whole phenomenon is about? I say, I'm not sure. Because I don't think, and this is why the government hasn't come forward No one really knows what's going on with the phenomena. We all have a little piece. If you've had an experience, if you've had contact, you've had a dream, if you've seen a UFO, if you've, I don't know, experienced like post-traumatic stress because of an abduction, it goes to levels and levels of integration. And that's sort of how we have to look at the situation. It's not like... Oh, yeah, I believe in UFOs. Well, that means nothing. Belief, it's, this is not about belief. This is something that, um, what's her name said? Margaret Mead said when she actually looked at the question of UFOs, she said, nothing to do with belief. Either they exist or they don't exist. But what is it that exists is the big question. Something is out there. Something is abducting people, taking people, communicating people, shining lights in the sky. But what it is, is something I think we have to evolve into to understand. If you don't mind, I want to take you into the direction of current events quickly. If a nuclear war where to happen, or if at least countries start launching missiles, do you think the ETs will put an end to it? No, that is a question I do get from a lot of people. Don't you think the... I think there's a couple of answers for that. There have been in the past UFOs over nuclear silos that have turned off and on the nuclear codes and people said, okay, we're safe. I also think they didn't stop the bomb from being dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, where were they then? Mm, I think a, a big part of it is that We've made a mess and we can't expect these other beings to clean up the mess and situation we've gotten ourselves into. We have to take care of their own consciousness of war. There's a war because we are making war on ourselves. We're making war on our, the earth. We're making war on each other. Just, you know, I interviewed Marshall Rosenberg once from um, Nonviolent Communication. Do you know his technology in nonviolent? No, I he don't. Says the, and he would, he would um, moderate talks between Palestinians and Israelis, 
Utus uh, and Utus, you know, in Africa. And he said the biggest violence he ever seen was being husbands and wives and parents and children. That's as violent as it gets. And if we are still a violent culture, we are still animals in the lower chakras, if you want to call it that. We have to rise up to the heart and above, start to talk about what's bothering us. If if uh, Russia wants to invade Ukraine, well, what's going on, Putin? What what do you really need? What kind of love do you need? Do you really need to invade a whole country to feel good about yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's a little bit of a fantasy, but it we do have to work on ourselves if we expect war to disappear. And, and obviously... What's going on there is reflection of our own consciousness on some level. And I don't think, I mean, I hopefully am wrong, but if there is a nuclear thing, I, I think we have to save ourselves from ourselves, you know, and that's a realistic point of view because people fantasize about these ETs and, and, um, they don't think like us. We're a big experiment, I, I think, to them. And so, okay, let's see how much to the edge. And maybe they're here to help. So make sure we don't destroy ourselves. You know, there's that great story about, you know, or someone said, if World War Three is, um, you know, fought with nuclear weapons, you know how World War Four will be to, fought with sticks and stones, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's a great point. So it's like, I think we really have to save ourselves from ourselves and whatever level of negotiation or whatever needs to be done. So the nuclear issue doesn't get activated. It's like, mm, we have enough of a problem just cleaning up a problem, our planet and keeping the temperature down. So the glaciers don't melt, the, the seas don't flood, you know, the fires don't start the hurricanes. I mean, that's enough of a full-time job and and just graduating from a pandemic is part of that. So it's like without war, I mean, this is like another level of stress to the planet. And maybe it's pushing us to, you know, when you push to the stress point, you do rise to another level. I think we're being asked, not just by the UFOs, but by the collective consciousness for all of us to rise to another level of communication, cooperation, love, um, compassion. And, you know, there are people protesting all over the world, particularly in Russia. I mean, it's probably not an easy place to protest, but I think it is time to turn, what is the uh, quote from Isaiah, the um, swords into plowshares. And um, I think... um, we need to do it now and this might be our last chance. So yeah, we have to, no no one's going to save us from ourselves is my realistic answer to that. Alan, a lot of my guests are near death experiencers and quite a few of them during their NDE have encountered aliens. Mm -hmm. And you probably know about that as well. Do you think aliens exist more in the astral world or the fourth or fifth dimension or in our three-dimensional world? Well, that's great because, you know, I did, I interviewed Anita Morjani, who's probably my favorite. Have you interviewed her? No, I haven't. Oh, I'll try to set you up with her. My favorite NDE person, near-death experience, her book, Dying to Be Me, is just a fantastic NDE book. It's like you feel her. So I asked her about being in that other, you know, space, and she said she did get a glimpse of these beings. And it's like, from her experience, it's like the aliens are not of this world. They're, they come in this world, but they're not of this world. They're, my opinion, their vibrational frequency is not like the solid table or microphone you're on. They can come in and out, but they vibrate at a certain rate of frequency. So, they come in and out of our world. They can appear physical, but I, I don't know if I would call them astral, but there is another realm that's just beyond this physical. It's like we're only turned to one station on the dial. That's the physical world. If you just turn the station a little bit, well, you get ND, you get astral, you get ETs, you get ultra terrestrials, you get divine beings, you get ascended masters. It's like 
where's your frequency at? Mm -hmm. So um, Bashar says this is as dense as it gets. We're in the densest level, right? So we just up, which happens in NDEs, like you're suddenly pure consciousness. And so, yeah, you're seeing other consciousness or you're experiencing that. So I think this is part of what these beings are calling us to do is rise to the occasion, rise to the place where we can meet them on an even playing field. So even in abduction experiences, I had one, it, I could say they're physical because they had a, I left a mark on the back of my knee, but I can also say maybe what we're calling physical is not as solid as we think it is. And of course, quantum physicists are saying that. So I would say to answer your question directly, no, they're not in this world. They're not 3D because even if you were to meet an ET, and I, I talk about this in my book, you would immediately shift to another frequency, another uh, level of consciousness, as if your uh, awareness is altered when you're in this communication with these beings. So if they were to show up there, right there, a lot of people freak out, they get scared or go unconscious, or they go with a shift in frequency where you meet them on an even playing field. You see, that's my feeling. We have to practice lucid awareness as much as we can in order to meet the other on the terrain that they exist. So you, we have to practice astral projection. I have to say when I've astral projected, I, I, ha I never saw anybody. It was like a, an empty world, but maybe that's just one level of my astral projection. So, um, you know, my favorite quote in the book is from John Mack. Did you know who John Mack was? I'm, I'm familiar with the name, oh, I think, but that's about it. He's no longer on the planet, but he was a Harvard psychiatrist who started to get in and talk to people who had alien abduction experiences. He wrote a book called Abduction. Harvard said, you cannot write a book by working at Harvard about alien abductions. This doesn't look good for us. And they tried to fire him. And there was a big court case with Danny Sheehan. It was like an in-university in case where, and it was freedom of speech. He said, no, these people are not crazy. They're having a valid experience and I can't confine them to some pathology. They are as sane as anyone else and they've had a different experience. So he said what he had to do was either write these people off and say, no, uh, I don't believe what they say, or accept maybe they're saying something that was beyond his worldview and beyond his level of experience. And he was a real big plus for the ET movement uh, by validating people's experience. As you know, these people are not crazy. Of course, people would come to him and say, I had this awful experience. Please tell me I'm crazy because how could this exist when there's no there's no word about this in our mainstream culture. And he says, well, I have good news and bad news. The good news and bad news is that you're not crazy. You know, meaning, yes, you did have those experiences, you know, because, I mean, he can't confirm it, but it fit the pattern that hundreds of other people seem to fit. So is it like all these people are part of a collective hallucination or are they really experiencing something other Something outside our little narrow, like, you know, we look at the world through this because of our, our programming. And I prove that all the time that people look at the world through their narrow slit. I, I, and when I give my lectures, I play this video about the, um, these people passing a basketball. Have you seen that? They're passing mm -hmm. a basketball. I say, count the number of passes that the team in the white shirts are passing the ball to each other. And in between all that, there's a guy in a gorilla suit who walks across the court. And I say to people, okay, how many passes? And I said, did anyone see the gorilla? And nobody sees the gorilla. You've heard about that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it really does work. It's like, I have to, I show it again. I said, okay, this time don't count. Just watch the video. People freak out. One woman runs up to me and says, that's not the same video. I know it's not because I didn't see it. I said, well, it is the same video. And I told you just count. So I, your whole focus was on just what someone told you to do. 
And since you're mostly good people, you do what people tell you to do and you don't look at what's outside the box. So we need to look outside the box all the time. Now, thinking about looking outside the box or looking at the book, I notice right. on your book there that you have an asterisk on the title. Why did right. you put that there? That's one of my favorite questions because, you know, it's a, it's, I, I made the publishers put that and I had to fight for that because I said, these beings, and this is just my understanding of whatever those beings are, astral, ultra terrestrial, whoever they are, there is something that's communicating with us. Maybe they're aliens, maybe they're other. I don't know what they are, but they communicate to us not in words, my feeling, but in symbols. And a symbol versus a sign, you know what a symbol, the difference? A sign means one thing. You see a stop sign, it means stop. But you can make that stop sign into a symbol. Let's say you put that stop sign in, a, in, a, in an ocean of polluted water and it has a little stop sign. Then it takes on a symbolic meaning. So symbols are a cluster of meaning. They're like the quantum meaning that words, okay, I see a word and it means that. Or you see a sign, it means that. There's a whole like field, I think, semiotics that talk about symbols and signs and words. But symbols give you the suggestion of something else. So an asterisk actually is Greek for little star. But when you see that symbol, what does that suggest to you? It suggests more than a word. It suggests a, a whole range of meanings. It means a point. For me, it also means the point of contact. The point of contact is the symbol. So I think these beings talk to us in symbolic, um, in a symbolic kind of language, which is not concrete. You see, it goes also to my other theory where their technology is based on quantum. Quantum theory is where you don't collapse the wave function into concretizing the world. In quantum mechanics, everything is fluid. There, there are mostly waves, not particles. So meanings of words, imagine if a meaning was more fluid and not concretized into like, oh, it means this. You start to understand the way these beings interact. So the asterisk is, you could say, the point of contact. It's a communication to a higher realm. It's you know, it's like emojis. We're talking in emojis because when you give someone a thumbs up, it just doesn't mean yes, right. There's a whole range of meaning. So we have to start to get back, I feel, to that level of communication of symbolic understanding. I mean, everything is a symbol in our dreams. That's all we see are symbols. The world, in a sense, is symbols. <laughs> Like you represent uh, my best friend from sixth grade. That's what we remind a symbol. And so, you know, symbols are really the language of the subconscious mind, as Freud points out. So by looking at something in the cover there, that's not just a word, but a symbol, is the way we have to kind of um, open up our, our consciousness to understanding. Basically, if we're going to talk to a higher intelligence, we have to talk in their language. If, like if you're talking to your dog, you're not going to bark at it, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. You're talking to it in the language that is, I think, a higher intelligence than the dog. If we're going to communicate with these beings, they're interfacing with us in ways that aren't concretized as a linear reality. They're talking to us in this abstract awareness that we're quite capable of, you know? And a lot of the painters and musicians who have had contact with ETs, their, their art becomes more sophisticated, more abstract, more, more um, non-narrative. So it's just a little hint of what, I mean, I know it's a long explanation for a little asterisk, but it's like, I thought it was really important to start to understand who we are and who they are and how we can connect between the making and the contact. Earlier you mentioned that you were abducted. Can you tell us about that? And was that the catalyst that got you into the work that you're doing today? Yeah. You know, I, I have to say as a preface to that, 
I grew up watching Star Trek, the original mm-hmm. in the 60s. I wanted to be an astronaut. I think I wrote a poem about stars when I was like 10 years old. I was always fascinated with what's out there. It's like I say in my book, why why isn't everyone looking up? It's like that movie, Don't Look Up, right? But why isn't everyone look? Did you see Don't Look Up? Yeah, it's a great movie. It was great. But why? I was fascinated. So I had this idea. I read a lot of science fiction. I wasn't sure about aliens, but I was on a cross-country trip with this girlfriend of mine who I'd met in Sedona, sort of ground zero for alien contact. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like, you know, we had this great connection. We were driving back east. We were stopped along the way. Um, we're driving all day, you know, around across Route 80, Interstate. And then it's like we pulled off this little road. It was looked like it said, a sign said, enter at your own risk. <laughs> and um, we, entered, we entered. And it was like, I think there was a sign there because there were these irrigation canals in like Western Nebraska, you know. And we just went, we're, we're exhausted. We went to sleep. And usually we fooled around a little bit, but we're just tired. <laughs> so we just passed out there. And we woke up in the morning in the same position that we went to bed. And I thought, who even remembers that? Did something weird happen? And I said, nah. And we just continued on our journey. But then I got back to New York. And my mother it was, who I think was actually had her own abduction experience. It is in the family. Notice this mark on the back of my leg. It was a back of my knee, actually. And who looks at the back of the knee? When was the last time you looked at the back of your knee? But it was a four-pronged puncture mark. And she said, what's that? I said, oh, I don't know. It must be a spider bite. But it just so happened, I started to do this video for someone who's working with Bud Hopkins. You know, Bud Hopkins was the godfather of, of abductions. And I said, what do you think of this, like, Mark? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's an abduction mark. I said, really? And then... <laughs> I just started to freak out for a second. It's like, and I just remembered that night so vividly for what I remembered where we just went to bed, passed out, had no, and woke up in the morning. And it just brought me back there. And then my girlfriend had this regression. I didn't get regressed till like years later, but um, yeah, it seems like in this other reality, see dreams are this, doorway to these other realities so they can enter our dreams but to enter our physical world this is my experience it shifts us so in order to communicate more effectively it's through these altered states when they're not necessarily dreams because these are dreams you never forget but in my regression yeah i saw these beings at the back door of my van and they lifted us out and Actually, I didn't get that far in my regression to see what they were actually doing. But there was a point where I I feel like they took sperm. And um, a year after that trip, I was woken up in the middle of the night by this really strange sensation of this animal or something being rubbed up and down the inside of my thighs three times. I woke up and this little being was... It looked like a deer with big eyes was placed in my hands. And I said, wow, this is weird. And that's all I remember. So I think the theory is they take our genetics. They're creating a hybrid race of humans and aliens. They want some kind of bonding with humans, even though I didn't have that like feeling of bonding, but it was something. And it still freaked me out. But I, uh, yes, at that point, 1987, I became obsessed with UFOs. I wanted to know everything and every single book. And I have an incredible library of UFO books. I, you know, I have two copies of John Mack's book, Abductions. I have, um, you know, all of Whitley Strieber's book, Bud Hopkins, the, you know, Betty Andreessen. Every, I mean, if there's a UFO book out there, I'm obsessed. I have to get it. I, I don't even have to read it. It just has to be in my library, mm, yeah. really. So what else could I do after reading all those books except write my own book? But, you know, I would go to all the conferences. I'd make friends with all the people because I said, what do you know? And it's not like I didn't doubt my ex- It was parts of my experience I still have not explored. So it's like Grant Cameron says, you get sucked down the rabbit hole. And once you're down the rabbit hole, 
is no going back out the other side. It's like you say, there is something really strange going on here and it happened to me. I want to know what it is. And maybe we'll never know on this level of consciousness. Mm. But the answer is yes. So do you think it's possible that you have some hybrid children running around somewhere? I think I saw one. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of women I talk to in this field, field and they say, yeah, they feel very maternal for their hybrid children. I didn't feel anything, but maybe I'm just not connected. But I would say, I mean, even hearing me think about saying this sounds ridiculous because where it is it's not in this reality is when I say yes I think I might I sound crazy to myself I have to tell you that it's like mm -hmm. I think though that is what they're doing but there's a disconnect between levels of reality that I'm still trying to well, wrap my head around kind of there's this 3d and aliens don't exist in this 3d but you know as William James said make the slightest distinction and this whole other reality appears so you know john i was going to say john max one of my favorite quotes from john mack is that ufos and ets are like an outreach program from the universe for the consciously impaired and that's us the consciously impaired hmm. because we function on a very mono level of frequency and what i think what we're being asked to do is realize that consciousness is not mono, it's not stereo, it's multiple, it's infinite. And we have to learn how to play the dial of consciousness, which is what we're being initiated into, in order to meet these beings on the level they exist. They're not greater than us. They may be smarter, they may have a greater technology, but we have what they have. We just don't know how to use it. Do you think abductions occur more in 3D world or when people are asleep or meditating? Well, I think they do come in and out of this 3D world. I think they, I mean, I think I've had astral abductions where I felt like I was being pulled out of my body. I think people see UFOs and then they blank out. If you interview Debbie Jordan from Extraordinary Contact, a lot of people have a whole sense of missing time. Betty and Barney Hill, for instance, they lost four hours of time. They enter our world and pull us into a different frequency with, with our bodies, you know? And, um, you know, um, I think, yeah, it is, it's, 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 it's in and out of this. They come in. They may appear physical. And of course, I had a mark on my leg that was physical. People have scoop marks, but it's more than what we think. You know, I had a dream one time where I thought maybe I saw an alien. It was scary and I woke up. But then I don't know if I just saw a monster or it was just a crazy what dream. What if you did see an alien? What would that mean to you? What would that, how would that, let's say it was that. Well, well it would be confirmation. Right. But. There's always that, let's say it was, and there's the part of the human side that says, no, it couldn't be because they don't exist in our world. So that's the same situation I'm in, even having had an experience. Did I, did, could that have happened to me? Like, how come no one's talking about it? If aliens are here, how come it's not on the front page of the newspaper? How come the government, of course, the government knows and they're not telling us, but they're telling us more than they ever have. That's another point. When this book came out, it was exactly the time the government was releasing their uh, preliminary assessment of UAPs. Mm. You know, and it's it's interesting. They're calling these things that were called UFOs UAPs, right? Yeah. Why why the rebranding? Yeah, good point. Well, the rebranding is these are more than just flying objects. These are more than objects. When you see a UFO. A whole bunch of other things line up, synchronicities, telepathy, um, out-of-body experience. People start to see orbs. They start to have strange psychic sensations, paranormal. So mm -hmm. you just can't label this object. So the government, and they're calling these things UAPs, are giving us a hint that there's much more to this phenomenon than just as Jacques Vallée would say, if I if these were just 
beings visiting us from another planet, I'd be very disappointed. So the, the whole theme of this talk tonight is that there's more than what we know, and it involves consciousness and it involves who we are on a most essential level. Yeah, there's aliens, whatever those things are, it's a reflection of who we are essentially, is my thesis. Hmm. What is your take on the Galactic Federation? Some people say they're evil and they're controlling humans, and some, you know, think of it more of like a Star Trek thing. Well, first of all, just between me and you, me and you, when I hear the word Galactic Federation, I think of like comic books. It's kind of silly. It's like, who's calling them? They, do they call themselves Galactic Federation? I mean, I think people come up with names and they say, yeah, I'm talking to the Pleiadians or the Octurians. And that's great. Maybe they are, but mm, it's not that simple. You know, it's not like we're going to sit down and have a cup of coffee and the, the Galactic Federation shows up. It's like, I think there were beings that, this is just a little way out, put a grid, a lim limited grid, a thought form grid on this planet that stopped humans from thinking about their divine nature. And we've been dumbed down and we've been suppressed and we've been lied to. And so I think that may be in place by, I wouldn't call them the Galactic Federation. I would be in place by uh, beings that want to control us. And I think there's other beings that want to lift us up and be here for our greatest good. So we're stuck somewhere between the positive and negative. And I wouldn't call that Galactic Federation. I would say that we're in the continuum of evolving towards our own awareness of being cosmic beings. I mean, our consciousness is very different than every other animal here. We do ridiculous, we build houses, we collect food, we create art, we do things no other animal does. I think our consciousness is extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. I think we embody these animal bodies, these little flesh suits, and we give it a different sense of being than the other animals that are already present. They're only, they're totally different than us. Even the, the great apes. Yeah. Maybe they can think, but they're, you know, they don't do the things humans do. And we do this because there's another level of awareness in this that is not of the earth. It's probably not even of this dimension. You know, the Aborigines say our real home is the dream time. And that's where we return. That's what, William Blake said, the true nature of the human is the imagination. That's who we really are. So we are the Galactic Federation, if you want to name it that. And we're also really now at a time where we're graduating out of a very limited reality, a very limited, small-minded way of seeing ourselves in the world and reaching out and saying, no, there must be more. So making contact is really making contact with ourselves, each other, the earth as a living being, and the Galactic Federation, if you want to call it mm -hmm. that. It's kind of a silly name, but whatever you want to call that's out there, the Cosmic Brotherhoods, the B'nai, or the, you know, basically what I'm saying is, we do not live in a dead universe, which science has told us for 200 years, we live in a universe that's abundant with life and consciousness and possibilities and infinite potential. This is the creative genius that's been installed in human beings that we're finally accessing. Almost every chapter of your book mentions telepathy. Have you been to a CE5 event? And if so, what happened? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Greer is quite a controversial person, but he does do, he does do pretty amazing close encounter. That's CE5 events where you go into a deep meditation and you project your consciousness out into the stars. And I have to say, I was at one of Stephen Greer's and other people's too do CE5. And the one I did with Stephen Greer there was this huge flash of light and it's like, that's not a star. 
It's not an airplane. And I was just there, just lit up for a second, and then it disappeared, but enough to like say, wow. So they are really picking up on our thoughts. Telepathy is the, it's the more advanced language. When you're really telepathically communicating with someone, it's more impressions that form words. It goes back to symbols in a way. It's like, yeah, you can communicate word, but you're getting the impression of something. I teach remote viewing, which is another form of telepathy. I teach it because Russell Targ from Stanford Research Institute, someone should interview, um, taught me how to do it. He said, look for the thing that enters your consciousness that's not part of the same old noise, the same old monkey mind. That thing is the target. That's you're connecting, you're getting a signal or a telepathic signal from the target when these things enter your mind. So we're all telepathic. We've uh, been dumbed down to live in a what uh, Joseph Chilton Pierce calls a semantic reality where things are words and they don't exist unless you have a, a word for them. But, you know, if you look at Jane Roberts' book, Seth Speaks, which is a real influential book, she talks about these impressions. So we're always getting telepathic impressions if we just listen to it. So yeah, you can send your thoughts out because guess what? Quantum physics physics, and physicists say thoughts are things. The think that the observer affects the experiment because you, as of the observing it, the thought, the energy, it's a thing. It's not just in your head. You're sending and receiving. I would do these practices at... I went to a, a school that taught this, you know, sending and receiving. You'd, you'd send a message, you receive a message, you could send a message into the future. You can get something from the past. We, we are telepathic. I mean, if I don't know, some people in, who look at the Tower of Babel said before there were all these languages, that was the language of the And then we created like this Babel, which is meaningless because as I'm talking to you, you're really getting my intention beyond the words. The words are sort of the conveyor belt, but what I'm saying to you is directly mind to mind, in a sense. We're using words, but that's because we're so used to that. But what I'm really communicating to you is mind to mind. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you see the babble is just the sounds, but the meaning is in the thought to thought. Just to go back a little bit on the yeah. Galactic Federation, that's actually not my point, but you are—I'm sure—I'm sure you're familiar with the Israeli general yeah. that spoke about that. But the most curious thing I found that he said was, "Space is not what you think it is." What do you think he meant by that? Is it consciousness or what? Well, uh, there's that guy who was doing the rounds. What was his name? Um, he had a book out. Time and space are constructs of the mind. Absolutely. We, space is not what we think it is. Time is not what we think it is. That's how it was able to be frozen in time during my abduction. They, they're thinking, these beings, whoever they are, in quantum realities where time and space are elements of matter. I talked to someone who said they time travel and he says, yes, Things have a color, shape, and a temporal property to them. And they exist within a time. But I think we fabricate time and space in our minds. And they're not what we think we are, uh, what we think it is. It is a fabrication. What it is? Well, it's a collective game we've been playing and we've all agreed upon. But what it really is... Like in dreams, sometimes it seems like time is just speeding up. It's like, or slowing down. I think we have to really dissect time and space in, in ways that we understand consciousness and we don't even understand what that is. We don't even understand what we are. We say everyone's using the word consciousness as if it's another name for God. We don't know what consciousness is. But consciousness knows what we are. That's a quote from somebody. But you know, you know, we don't know what time and space are. We think we do. We don't even know what thought is. We don't even know what, you know, like from that poem, um, 
leaves of grass by Walt Whitman. This child brought me a blade of grass and said, what is it? And he said, I can't tell any more what that child is. And he would know. I don't, we don't know what anything is. We put labels on the world to convince ourselves we think we know. And all we're doing is walking around in the dream, dreaming about definitions of things and thinking we know. So, yeah, it becomes very metaphysical and very abstract, but it's true. We don't know what time and space are. And I think that's the advantage these aliens, or what I have to say, whatever they are, because I think they're, I think there are beings on other worlds. I do think so. And I think there are consciousnesses other places. But yeah. what's interfacing with us, I don't know. It's a part of us, I think, too. I've had two or three of my NDE guests say that on the other side, they went to the water planet mm. and seen water beings. Have you heard of that? Well, I have heard of that. And, and not only that, but I think dolphins and whales are from that planet. And the, there's no evolutionary record of mammals going back into the sea. That's a fabrication that mm. evolutionary scientists make up about cetaceans. But I think they were brought here from another planet. And, you know, they have more advanced brains. They're more intelligent than humans. They are already multidimensional. A dolphin can make at least four sounds at a time with its blowhole, with its nostrils, with its mouth, and with its tongue. We are very monosyllabic. This, this, this. So dolphins already are more advanced creatures. The word dolphin from Delphi means brother or womb. They are our family. So I think there is water planets. I think there's an infinite amount of intelligent creatures on an infinite, nearly infinite amount of planets that are waiting for us to wake up. Of course, some of them are in their own isolated world. And there are dimensions too. Um, you know, do you ever read Carlos Castaneda? He writes about the... I know of him. I haven't read his books. He writes about the movement of the assemblage point, and when the assemblage point moves, it assembles different worlds. So we can move our assemblage point to visit other worlds. That happens in near-death experiences. All that's really happening is their point of focus on their auric field, which is retained beyond the body, shifts to another center of reality, and they assemble different worlds. So um, with the movement of that, intention we can visit many many worlds and the water planet yes there's the planet of the yellow sand there's the there's the place where everything is just shadow and light there's there's planets or or dimensions that's a pure color where the interactions between colors form a language of meaning i get a sense of that sometimes i think i'm from there when i look at different color combinations it's like oh, that means something. Or, so it's like there's many, many abstract levels of beings. Mm. So yeah, water planets, sure, why not? But getting back to that Israeli guy, when he used the word Galactic Federation, I became suspicious of what he had to say, but some of his other stuff was interesting, except the stuff about you know politicians and all that. I thought that was weird. But, well, come yeah. on, you're a Trekkie. You should love the word Galactic Federation. That's why it's like overused. <laughs> Come on, no one. The Galactic Federation doesn't call themselves the Galactic Federation. There's, that's just a human term. <laughs> I, know. I know, but it's that's why it's a little like. Come on, I had enough Star Trek. Let's get real here, mm. you know. But anyway, what is your take on star seeds? I have interviewed our guest on your show, Marina. Mm -hmm. I think she definitely is of another reality. She definitely has a higher intelligence. I think, and I've interviewed Mary Rodwell, who's mm -hmm. been around the planet talking to five. Have you talked to Mary Rodwell? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. So she's really, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time with Mary. She's documented these young kids come in and they are from another level of consciousness. So I do think advanced beings are coming here who's like, who are from another time flow, another planetary dimension with, with a message for us. So I do think star seeds are here and they do, they are helping us advance our 
awakening. And I think, you know, maybe Einstein was a starseed, Tesla. There are been beings that just come in with knowledge that are uplift our Leonardo da Vinci, uplift our world. They're not just geniuses, but they are seeing something that no one else has seen and they're evolving. So we, we're getting more and more star seeds. So we're in a, uh, a mode of evolutionary consciousness right now, even mm-hmm. though it looks like we're going backwards. I think we are still going forward. Mm-hmm. So yes, I believe in them. They're here. They're us, Jeffrey. They're us. I was thinking about asking you that. Do you think it's yeah. possible we're all star seeds? I do. Like I said, I don't think human consciousness or consciousness is original to the evolving primates that were populating this planet until there was a genetic hybridization from some other beings that installed this seed of consciousness, star seed in us. So we are all star seeds. Now there's a more advanced realm with people really talking about this. So yeah, human beings are hybrids, I think, of other beings that had a longer period of evolution and maybe development or descended from the realm of the celestials with full knowledge of their divine self. And we are struggling in these animal bodies with this higher consciousness to find out who we really are. And that's what's so exciting, you know. What do you want to be? You want to be the animal or you want to be the divine? Mm-hmm. Your choice. It's all available for you here in this chakra-filled body. So I want to be the divine. Of course, I do have that animal in me. You know. Do you believe in reincarnation? And if so, why do we keep coming back over and over again? I think, you know, some people do come in from other planetary incarnations, I think I do believe in reincarnation. I have had memories of other lifetimes. My last lifetime was not a picnic. You know, it was in the concentration camps of Germany. It was like, you know, I would have nightmares until I did a regression. There's no way, you know, Krishnamurti says uh, or said, reincarnation is true, but it's not a fact. Meaning we'll never be able to absolutely prove it. But we do come back because in each lifetime, we are learning more and more about existence. So we come back, let's say, as humans, not necessarily to finish our karma or something, but to learn the whole realm of what the incarnation of the human being is, to feel everything there is to feel in this realm. And when we can be the totality of the human being, that means you look at everyone that you pass on the street, the rich, the poor, the, the you know, every, every male, female, young, old, and you can say, you know, I've been that. I, and I felt what they're feeling, whatever it is, depression, sadness. And when you feel that, it's your soul registering that humanity. And so when we can say, I felt it all, we resolve the karmic cycle of incarnation on this plane and the soul, which is, you know, the essence of it goes to another level. I mean, the soul is always taking on forms to learn more. So it's like, that's the adventures of creation is to own the creation means you're one with it. So it's like, you paint the painting and you enter the painting and you have the experience of what you've painted. And then when you've had the total experience, you go to the next level. So yeah, this is a classroom. There are people in kindergarten just learning, you know, and they may be doing this or thinking they're getting away with this and that. And then you like, you build up till you can really live in integrity. Everything is integral. This is like what the Tao Te Ching says. The Tao is the way, the De, T-E, is the way of integrity, the path of the way. And when you can be integral and be at peace and be in love with everything you see, and even if it's suffering, you have compassion, then you've graduated. Then you don't keep coming back, at least on this level. You might go to another level where there's another lessons to learn, but 
this is just my belief is that we're here to do the human thing and not just the ET thing. Yeah, we have to include that and they're learning their own lessons, whatever they may be. But yeah, to answer your question, I believe it. We come back and, you know, this is a graduation maybe if we choose for a lot of people because if that's what we choose, you know, there's always the bodhisattvas that come back just because, you know, because if we're all connected in consciousness, no one graduates until we all graduate. So there are great, compassionate beings that have come here to help uplift the planet and because really who are we but we're all connected we think we're separate but i'm not really that separate from you jeffrey Mm -hmm. we have almost a similar Mm -hmm. background behind us alan can you speculate what the next big ufo breakthrough will be well there's many people pushing for disclosure meaning that the government's going to come out and they've already come out and say, guess what? We are, we do have these craft in our sky. The next, it's like, okay, what are people ready for? I would like the next big breakthrough to be, guess what? We have company. They've been here. They're helping us with their, our technology. They're giving us free energy we're getting our fossil fuels. We're helping to clean up the planet. Everyone can live in paradise. There can be abundance of food, of anything everyone wants. There's no more suffering. There's no more need of want. People can don't have to be enslaved to a corporation or to a country or to an, even an ideology. It's... Um, that's like really it's more about human breakthrough with the assistance of whatever these ETs are. So, but the next big one is just acknowledging that there's life in the universe. I mean, that it's that's the bottom. We that's like ground zero. That just gets us to guess what? Scientists have found life on Mars. We there's alien bodies that we have at the site in in and uh, Roswell area 51, right fat, right Patterson. We have the, there's aliens that want to address the world. I don't think we're ready for that because the consciousness of these beings is so mm, multifaceted. Most people are still living in a very limited reality. So even if it, they were friendly, which I think most of them are, of course, there probably are some that aren't. Even if these were friendly, people don't know how to deal with them. They don't have, even know how to deal with the person living next door that they may not like. So, uh, But I don't think we're going to be invaded. I don't think we're going to be taken over. I think we're going to slowly, the leaking of, yes, there's life on Mars. Yes, there's microbes. Yes, oh, yeah, there are human-like beings maybe in these UAPs. Look, there's a photo of the... Oh, yes, there is a being that's been captured and talking to us at Area 51, which, you know, if you talk to enough people in the UFO world, they'll tell you it's true. Like I talked to Richard Doty and, you know, I mean, he's a little controversial, but or lots of people. If you go into this field deep enough, you're going to hear those stories of, yeah, and why not? Why wouldn't they be true? I mean, I, I talked to Louis, Lou Alessandro. You know who Lou Alessandro mm-hmm. is? I did an interview with him. He came that close to acknowledging there's a, he didn't say the word aliens. He said, well, it seems like there are off world vehicles. Like what did, can you put that in English? He goes, yeah. Well, he said, you mean, he would not say the A word. So um, maybe he is now, but um, that's like the big step. Alien, ET, it's like, no, off world, but you know, I don't know if he said that, but people have said that around him. So uh, that's a big step. The A word is a big step. But then maybe they're not even aliens. Maybe they're a part of our consciousness. Or there's something, I like to just say, there's something doing, we don't know what. But no, that's, <laughs> no, but there's something there. And they're in our skies. And they're talking to people in dreams. They're visiting you, Jeffrey, in your dreams, occasionally once, maybe. That's a communication. And 
we've dumbed ourselves down by doubting our own mind. You know, I say psychology has been a great um, plus for understanding ourselves, but it also made us afraid of our own mind. It's like if you think something or if you see something, you've had an impression, are you making it up? Are you hallucinating? Are you going insane? We doubt ourselves when there's no reason to. You know, if you've had a dream, I'm not saying that's absolutely real, but why wouldn't it be real? Yeah. Why why would you doubt yourself? Why you see I think the more we trust our minds, our consciousness, the more we start to connect with the deeper levels of what it is to be human. This is where inspiration comes from, art, creativity. Once they decide to release aliens, I wonder if they'll rebrand them like UFO has been rebranded to UAP. Yeah, I think aliens have been had a negative. I think what I think we'll call them when other people are already calling them non-human intelligences or mm. humanoid intelligence or, you know, what someone said who had met these ETs said, we're not another species, we're another race. And that's interesting that she got that communication, this woman, Anjali, who mm-hmm. sort of disappeared from the UFO world. But um, so, you know, Gary Nolan from Stanford University, he looks at DNA a lot. He says DNA appears to be 9 billion years old. The Earth is only 4.5 billion years old. There's DNA that's old. DNA itself is older than the Earth, according to this biologist. So, that means it might not have originated on Earth, but maybe DNA, that molecule of life, which is the same for all living creatures, is abundant throughout the cosmos. So we may be related to these beings. Maybe we've been star-seeded yeah. from these races, right? Right. So I think that's probably true. The story of Adam and Eve, yeah, we were placed down in a garden, and this is a garden, and... Um, that was a that was a kind of an allegory of what happened. We were put down in this garden because you look around; it really is a garden here. Hmm. But of course, we're destroying it. But yeah. you know, right? But yeah, the Elohim, whatever you want to call these advanced races, we've been star seeded, and we've been star seeded on other planets too. So, time to come back together with, if you want to call it the Galactic Federation, yeah. We were excommunicated for a while because of our violent nature. Like Stanton Friedman, one of the all-time great ufologists, mm-hmm. said, who wants to be friends with a bunch of apes who fa- whose favorite pastime is tribal warfare? So yeah. it's like, that's it. Alan, the time has flown by, and I need to let people know where to get your book. Thank you for asking. First, I want to say the book is not just my opinion about what's going on. I get the best people in the field Linda Moulton Howe, uh, Grant Cameron, uh, John Mack published, well, I found one of his unpublished essays I put in this book, Whitley Strieber's in this book, uh, Nick Pope, uh, Mary Rodwell we talked about, Carolyn Corey, um, who else is in here? I've had the, George Norrie does the forward to the book, which was a really great plus. So these are 11 different essays, including my story of abduction and other people's stories and hard, cold facts. And so I go from the ecto, the nuts and bolts, to the internal, the esoteric, like, oh, it's all consciousness. And um, it came together really well. And you can get this at Barnes & Noble. As for the publisher, is St. Martin's, St. Martin's Essentials. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Definitely you get a discount on Amazon. I usually look at my Amazon ratings to see how well I do. It's um, out there, Alan Steinfeld, making contact, preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence. And look at online. There's lots of great reviews. I got some great people to review my book. Um, Foster Gamble reviewed it, Russell Targ, um, Stephen Bassett, Alex Gray. So some of the big names in ufology have written essays in this. And so it's sort of a primer. If you, if you, are into this and you know people will say what are you talking about this is the book to give them as a kind of intro it's sort of like a textbook but it's also for people who've been in the field for a while there's some gems in there from john mack and some other people about putting together connections that are grant cameron said grant cameron says 
why do you think UFOs have lights on them? He said, so we can see them. Mm. If you can see them, you're part of not the problem, but you're part of the phenomena. They're coming. If you see them, they see you seeing them, and you're as intimately connected to this as the UFO. You're it. No one sees a UFO by accident. You were meant to see that. That's how big their field of awareness is. So that was a good point. So his yeah. chapter is called The Theory of Wow. The UFOs show up, they do zigzags, they do this, and it's just so we can say, wow, you know, to make an impression, to say, you know, there really is something out there. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's easy book to read. It's really, and I do an introduction and, and an epilogue. Let me just give you one, my closing line at the epilogue I, I got from my interview with Bruce Lipton. Do you know Bruce Lipton? I know of him. Well, Bruce Lipton is really the leading biologist. So I asked him, not about UFOs, but I said, what are we all here for? He says, well, the next level of evolution is to develop a being called humanity. We are not humans until we develop humanity. That means when we know we're all part of a bigger being. And when we realize that we're part of this bigger being called humanity, then we have a voice as a one as a one voice that allows us to speak to other ones out there, Galactic Federation and what, but the singularity of our synergistic awareness as, as a singular great being will open up the doorway to be, you know, speak to other beings that speak from that same oneness and will enter the Galactic Federation, if you want to call it that, or a bigger being, a super organism. I mentioned in the beginning that you are a YouTuber and your channel is oh, called yeah. New forgot. Realities. Thanks for saying that. Uh, what kind of content are you publishing on your channel? Well, I did a lot of consciousness stuff. I've interviewed people, like all the Advaita teachers and a lot of Eastern gurus. And then when I started to get more into the UFO stuff, I started to interview all the great UFO teachers, Linda Multahan, Richard Dolan, Stephen Bassett, um, you know, I've had Paul Hynek, although I don't think I've interviewed him, but a lot of people. Uh, so I'm focusing on the UFO thing because I think that's really hot now. It's something I'm passionate about. But then it crosses over into consciousness and healing. I got a lot of great people who are really tapped into the healing energy. So I have like, I don't know, maybe it's 2000 interviews. I've been doing it since 2006 also oh, wow. on YouTube. If you go to my YouTube, that's youtube.com slash new realities, subscribe. You know, I do a lot of conferences. I do a lot of Zoom conferences. I'm doing an international UFO forum on March 11th on my YouTube channel. That's UFO researchers from China, Japan, Korea. I got someone from the Middle East, got someone from Europe, maybe South America. And we're all going to talk about this being a worldwide phenomena, but it's always been worldwide, but there's something being accelerated now. There's more sightings, more people having this internal contact. There's something else going on that seems to be different than what it was even 10 years ago. There's an acceleration for whatever reason. I think the whole field of this dimension is accelerating and that's why we're getting more contact. So yeah, you can look at my YouTube channel, subscribe and get the book and um, look for me at a conference. I'm going to be at the Northern uh, MUFON, Northern UFO conference in um it's in San Francisco. Look at um, UCon, U, UFO Con 2022. I'm going to be speaking at the Ascension, Sedona Ascension Retreat, March 18th to the 20th. Let's see, I'll be at Lightning in a Bottle, leading a CE5. That's in Bakersfield, May 28th to the 30th. So um, I might even bring Marina along there. To if you want to meet her, I might be doing the um, Disclosure Fest that's in LA. There's so many things going on. I'm, I, I hopefully go to the Edgar Casey Center. I just gave a book signing in Florida. Uh, I might be giving a talk in Massachusetts. Anyway, I, my new website will be up uh, newrealities.com or my latest updates, but it's not up yet, but it will be. Are you accessible to the public? 
And if yes, so, how please. can they reach out to you? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I always forget to promote myself. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yes, email me if anything was of any interest here. Email me at newrealities at earthlink.net, newrealities at earthlink.net. You can find me on Facebook, Alan Steinfeld. You can find me on Instagram, A-L-A-N underscore Steinfeld, S-T-E-I-N-F-E-L-D. Twitter, I'm not so active. LinkedIn, email, Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, and YouTube. You can always get me on YouTube. All right, Alan. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? We are the ones we've been waiting for. You know, that's a little cliche, but who we really are as human beings has yet to be defined. It's not the person you see in the mirror or your name or anything like that. We are infinite. We are as infinite as when you go out and look at a star-filled sky. We are that infinite. And when you realize we're as infinite inside as we are outside, then we reach an equilibrium of awareness where the next level of reality starts to open the corners of our mind and and we realize there's more to the realities we've been living. And then your dreams become more accessible. Your, your visions, your intention becomes more powerful. The access to the real power to create and, and, and intuit the other realms. You see, I think we're here to be creative beings. That's really the reason we've incarnated here. It wasn't to get off the cycle of reincarnation, but to add to creation. So by being the creative being, by tapping into our infinite nature, we add to creation, which fulfills our karmic destiny. Hmm. So when you can do all that, then I think life is joyful and happy and purposeful. Well, Alan, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest today. I really appreciate you and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Thank you, Jeffrey. I appreciate this. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.